2: I'm Head Pastor Billy Han Jr. and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you back to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV Channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KB TV Channel 8 From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church, and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at jesuscomingsoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign of the roof of the Temple of Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Cali for 97 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late T. pastor, William M. Hansen, in 1959, who continued the gospel work to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is, those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, Please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. To start off our musical program, the church choir will sing an old-time favorite song entitled, The Banner of the Cross, led by choir director Emilia Hahn. They are accompanied by Thierry Summers on the piano, Rose backel on the organ. Up next is the church band who play a musical rendition of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Yes, Saints and friends, we truly have a friend in Jesus. It is a privilege and a comfort to know he is only a prayer away. <laughs> Our soloist today is Emilia Hahn, who will sing, I Look to the Shepherd. As we faithfully place our trust in the Lord and follow Him, it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lifts us up in times of trouble and despair. He gives us peace of mind and comforts our heart. Emilia is accompanied by yours truly on the piano, Trusty Associate Pastor, Vince Broad Sr., Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, Associate Pastor Marvin Upping on the bass, and Iris Lock on the drums. And now the church choir will sing the song, O Love. They are accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Iris Locke on the organ. Surely the joy of the Lord is our strength and our victory. It is Jesus that gets us through our lives one day at a time as we place our total faith and trust in him in all that we do. Please join in and sing along with the choir following the words at the bottom of your screen. Our instrumental selection is by the church orchestra who play an uplifting edition of When Jesus Returns for His Own. The Saints in Harmony is our vocal group today, and they will sing this upbeat song entitled Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. They are accompanied by Christy Le on the piano. This song is dedicated to Mrs. Rebecca LeBon, who is a faithful member of our church choir and orchestra, and has been called upon to play instrumental selections on the ukulele for weeknight services. May the joy of the Lord shine upon you and keep a song in your heart, always for using your musical talents for the gospel work. Have a happy and blessed day. Thank mm-hmm.
3: Since Jesus came into my
4: heart Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television times, stations, and locations in the continental United States for a viewing audience, especially if you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV Channel 28 in Eureka, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles San Bernardino, from 8 to 9 a.m on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey, from six to seven a.m. on station KECY channel nine in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona, from six to seven a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon, from five to six a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington, from six to seven a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming, and from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now, Concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Kamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by Neighbor Island Branch Churches, as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakai, Kanakakai Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. L. Verrio in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Baloga, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services, regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections, however, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit directed and spirit inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. It
2: is God's desire that all people come unto Him in full repentance and receive His salvation full and free. Those who respond and obey His command will be blessed bountifully, spiritually, materially physically and even financially the soul who rejects and rises up against the Lord shall be devoured by the sword and there shall be no remedy for his tragic end do we dare provoke the Lord to jealousy do we dare contend our strength is greater than his God forbid he has the power to save the power to devastate the power to heal the power to curse, the power to overcome, and the power to bless. I invite you to partake in today's message entitled, No Graven Image. And I pray that by the time it concludes, you'll be encouraged to seek the Lord, whose powers are limitless and can sustain you in every way. Man's human instincts causes him to embrace in and shun the Lord's sacrifice and call to everlasting life through His salvation. It is my sincerest desire that you will not fail to heed the Lord's Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are divided into two sections. The first four commandments are Godward, speaking of our duty towards God. The last six are Manward, speaking of our duty towards man. Jesus summed them up on one occasion. When someone asked him, which is the greatest commandment? He said, as we read in Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 30 and 31, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely, this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. If we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will certainly try to keep the first four commandments, which concern our relationship with him. If we love our neighbor as we do ourselves, we will certainly try to keep the other six commandments, which concern our relationship with other people. Reading Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 to 6 Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, and that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. God gave the Ten Commandments and meant for them to be moral laws. Jesus came along and elevated them to a high spiritual level. If we follow him closely, these laws shall not trouble our conscience. The first commandment told us that we were to have no other god except him. The second commandment instructed us to make no image and bow down before it. The first commandment tells us who must be worshipped. The second tells us how God must be worshipped. The first commandment forbids all false gods. The second forbids all false worship. Now there is a difference between the first and second commandment. Some don't make this distinction. They throw the second commandment in with the first and pass over it lightly. Why do they do this? The reason is because it conflicts with their custom of worshiping images and statutes. The commandment strictly forbids anyone from bowing down before an image. What it actually means is that they are breaking the second commandment. But then we say, we do not bow down. We do bow down before the image, but we don't worship the image. Man has certain God-given instincts. Every group of people who have ever existed has practiced some sort of religion. Thank God you and I have the Bible. Through Jesus Christ we are able to know the true God. Jesus tells us in John 8:32, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Read in John 14:6, Jesus saith unto him, that is Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When our forefathers came to to these shores, they found the original Americans, the Indians. These people never heard of Jesus, but they worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars, the rivers, and so forth. They spoke of the great Spirit. When the braves died, their bows and arrows were buried with them. They believed that these braves had gone to the happy hunting ground. Someone said, well, you can find cities without walls, without letters, without money, without houses, without theaters and games, but man has never seen and never will see a city without temples and gods, without prayers, oaths, prophecies, and sacrifices. One that is one thing the second commandment tells us, man is going to worship something. Look at what the commandment does not forbid. It does not forbid all sculpture and painting. God gives certain persons a talent for these things, and this talent can be used for the glory of God. The children of Israel murmured against God in the wilderness. Consequently, he sent fiery serpents to bite them. Men were soon sick and dying all over the camp. Reading Numbers 21 5 to 6. And the people spoke against God and against Moses Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loadeth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Then God gave them the remedy. What was it? Listen to verses eight, nine. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The serpent was a type of sin. Brass was a type of judgment, as in the case of the brazen altar, a type of cross upon which Christ himself offered himself. A brass serpent was like a picture of sin, punished and judged. Consequently, anyone who trusts Jesus and looks to him is saved. Later, Solomon built a temple. There were elaborate decorations in it. What did God say when the temple was completed? We read in 1 Kings 9:3, And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. We see here that God was approving a temple of worship, adorned with beautiful images. Certainly he is not opposed to the building of beautiful houses of worship in his honor today. Thus, we see the second commandment does not forbid the making of all images, nor the painting of pictures. What then is expressly forbidden by this commandment? Let me put it in the simplest language possible. We are not to make a likeness of anything, which requires bowing down before it in worship. We must not ever bow before anything for the purpose of religious worship. Does this mean that we are not to bow down in prayer? No, it does not mean that. When I bow down in prayer, whether it is in the church or at home, I am not looking at a wooden cross or at some person. I am looking by faith into the face of God. When I pray, I don't want any image to hide or block out God's face from me. The best way for us to have communion with God is to close our eyes to everything that can be seen with the natural eye and open the eyes of our spirit toward our Heavenly Father who is in heaven. God is only a prayer away. He can be nearer than hands and feet and closer than breathing. Today, we do not have a true physical picture of Jesus Christ. Who knows what he really looked like? The Bible doesn't tell us. What color were his eyes, his hair, how tall was he? He didn't leave any keepsakes for his disciples. His clothes were taken by the soldiers. This is John 19, 23, 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified, Jesus took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part. And also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. He didn't hand down to us one solitary or personal article, He didn't leave a single material item to remind us of Him. He knew if he did men would worship the material and not the master. Image worship limits God. It limits him in one place and God is omnipresent. How can an image be a true depiction of God when he is invisible? God is a spirit and a spirit can't be pictured. No one can take a picture of his soul. Thus we see that every image of God is false and misleading. This is John 4:24 God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God says in Psalms 115, verses 4 to 8, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them so is everyone that trusted in them. A man becomes like that which he worships. Yes, viewers, the more you bow down before images which are spiritually helpless, the weaker your spiritual power becomes. We shall be like the psalmist in Psalms 121, 122, who cried out, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills, from whence cometh my help. For my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. As you listen to this telecast, you might be saying, I am innocent. I don't bow down before any image. Yes, but the image may be in your mind. You may be worshipping the God of wealth or the God of self-indulgence. A man's soul is destroyed whenever he bows down and worships some earthly God. Now let us digress from our message and go to the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. There lived a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was among the best of men in his community at that time. He was truly a religious man who obeyed the commandments of God. He had attained great heights in the study of religion and in living a strict, devout life. Thus, he had been made a member of the select group called the Sanhedrin. It was virtually a religious supreme court. However, he realized being religious was not good enough to enter into the kingdom of God. He needed to be born again. There are many men today like Nicodemus. They live good, clean lives. They serve well in civic life. They are honest in business. They are good to their families. They even go to church and contribute to worthy causes. But let me inform you, TV viewers, that is not enough. You can't risk your hope of entering heaven upon your own goodness or works. Read that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and the Lord spoke to Nicodemus about the new birth. Read in John 3, verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. As we picture Nicodemus coming to Jesus, we should also see a similar picture, which would include the entire human race coming to the Lord. Nicodemus came by night because anyone caught consorting with Jesus was cast out of the synagogue. Therefore, here's Nicodemus, the religious leader, who slipped out under the cover of darkness to see Jesus. Under his long robe, there was a heart which was hungry for something better than what he had. Surely Nicodemus was not satisfied with the rites and ceremonies in which he participated. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have religion, position, and power. But unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. A man in this world may see the great sights of it, but if he has never been born again, he will never see the kingdom of God. Reading John 3 3, Jesus answered and said to him, That is Nicodemus. Verily, verily I said unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What kingdom was Jesus talking about? There is a mineral kingdom which encompasses all manner of stones and jewels, but God's kingdom outshines even that. There is an animal kingdom, a vegetable kingdom, which includes exotic trees, plants, and flowers, but God's kingdom will be filled with uncomparable beauty. However, Jesus had the following to say to Nicodemus, as you read in John 3:5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in verse 7, it reads, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. To be born of water is to be baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. To be born of the Spirit is to speak in an unknown tongue or language, which is the Bible's way of proving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Nicodemus had never heard anything like this before. When Jesus used the word born, Nicodemus could think of nothing but a physical birth. Thus, he questioned, how can these things be? I am an old man. Can I go back into my mother's womb the second time and be born? In spite of his religious background, we can see that Nicodemus didn't understand spiritual truths. The second birth is a spiritual birth, as we find in John 3:8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit in saving men is like the wind. It is from heaven, though it cannot be seen, and its power and work can never be fully understood. It can be heard. It is very powerful, and finally, it gives life. Remember, it was the breath of life which made man a living soul. Thus, we see that baptism is essential to salvation. Jesus charged His disciples with a great commission. We read in Mark sixteen fifteen 15-16, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Peter confirms this by saying, The figure, like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also save us. Baptism means to dip, plunge, or immerse. And without proper baptism, it will be impossible to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection set the precedence for the salvation of mankind. The most essential element of water baptism is that it be consummated in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without His name, all water baptism is void and null. One who is born can't be unborn. I was born of my father and mother and always will be their child. And since I am born of water and of the Spirit, I will always be a child of God, who has the power to keep. Acts 4.12 declares, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now let's refocus upon the message, No Graven Image and God's warning about this commandment. First, God says, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now, we need to understand the word jealousy in its own right. God's jealousy is not like our jealousy. It is a holy and without sin. And use here, it does not mean that God is envious. A husband has a right to be jealous if his wife transfers her love and affection, which is due him to someone else. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, 2 to 4. For I am a jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he cometh and preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if Eve receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not received, ye might well bear with him. Well, the covenant between God and Israel was that of a marriage covenant. God was the husband and Israel the wife. If Israel went out and worshipped someone else, God had the right to be jealous. No sin that a wife can commit against her husband is more disregarding than infidelity to the marriage vows. Today, the same relationship exists between Christ and the church. He is the groom, the church, made of two born-again Christians, is mm-hmm. the bride. God prescribes the punishment for those who violated this commandment and who bow down before other things. God said, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God didn't say that he would condemn the children just because their parents were evil. But should the sons follow in the evil footsteps of their fathers, they would suffer for their sins. Like produces like. A good tree bears good fruit. An evil tree bears evil fruit. If I worship evil or worldly things, it is likely that my children will do the same and they will be punished for it. God says that the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the children if the children hate God. They are more likely to hate Him if their fathers hated God before them. Here is a warning for every parent. Set the right example for your children and live for Jesus. If you do, it is more than likely that your children will live for him. If you put something else in place of God, you not only hurt yourself, but hurt your children. Jesus tells in Matthew the chapter, 16, verse, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glory of Father which is in heaven. But consider the other side. God says if we love Him and keep His commandment, He will show mercy, not just to the third and fourth generations, but to the thousands of generations thereafter. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8-10, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained, that we should walk in them. I love Jesus. He not only blesses me, but he blesses my children and grandchildren. How then shall we worship God? Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. We are not to look upon any image, but we are to look up to God in faith. Now what is faith? Faith is simply taking God at His word. Listen to Hebrews 11, 1-3 and 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that, and that he is a reward of him that diligently seek him. Our worship must be spiritual and from the heart. A child learned to say this little prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer is the strength of the gospel. Prayer moves the hand of God that moves the world. Jesus prayed, the apostles prayed, his disciples prayed, and I'm sure you and I pray daily for this lost and dying world. It takes courage to pray. This is an essential mark of a true born-again believer. It takes courage to live a good Christian life. Take the case of John the Baptist. He called the religious leaders of his day a generation of vipers. As we read in Matthew 3, 7 to 8, but when he saw men of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Later he found King Herod living in sin with his brother's wife. What a courageous scene. We look upon John the Baptist as he faces Herod. Here is John clothing camel's hair. He is a simple preacher. What does he say? Will he bow down to the man-made image and sanction all that the king is doing? No, he had more courage than that. He pointed at the king and said to him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. He was placed in prison, later beheaded. It took courage for him to denounce the king as being a sinner, but John the Baptist had that courage. That's what we need today, men who will stand up for truth and righteousness. Finally, we come to Jesus, oh, how courageous he was. He stood before the howling mobs and faced the stoutest opposition, yet he was not afraid. He ran the money changers out of the temple. I advise each of you in the viewing audience to draw closer to Jesus fall down before him, and worship him full, ever and ever. If you would like to know more about God's word, the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComesSoon.org. And until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hunter, and expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. To conclude our telecast, the church band will play the song entitled, Let Him In.